Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate every single one of you, and now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode. I pray that this week has been treating you well so far. And before we go any farther, a few weeks ago, when we kicked this off, we talked about some of the conflicts going on in the Ukraine. And I'll tell you, it's getting worse by the day. And so I'm just here to ask that you would lift up the civilians in prayer and that you would just be mindful of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ over in Ukraine. I'm not going to get in the political aspects of things. I'm not going to go political. I'm not going to talk about those type of things. But all I want to let you know is that if you haven't been paying attention, that just atrocities are happening over there as we speak. Civilians are being targeted. Facilities that are holding civilians are being targeted. And so it's just it's just a shame. And this is the direct result of sin and evil in this world. And I just pray that God would have mercy on that situation. And it makes me feel really terrible to be sitting in this house that I'm in, being able to have the things that I have, to be blessed in ways that I'm blessed. And I don't know. It just it just makes things hard and puts things in perspective. So before you go to bed tonight, while you're gathering together with your families, about to eat dinner, say a prayer for the people over in Ukraine. And with that being said, today's message is going to be on something that's very important to the church today something that's important to our spiritual lives. And the title of this is called Sitting in Neutral. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been sitting in your car, and as you shift into drive, you push down on the accelerator, and only the engine revs? Has that ever happened to you? Because you realize then, that you are in fact in neutral. I've done this several times, panicking, thinking my car is finally have had its last breath, only to realize it's in neutral. So with that, let's go ahead and shift this into the spiritual aspect of things. Oftentimes our spiritual walk or spiritual life goes idle or neutral. Being spiritually neutral is a dangerous position to be in. Neutrality, in the physical sense, can also lead to undesirable outcomes and consequences as well. So, as we begin this lesson, this message, this study, if you will, I want us to look at what our Lord feels about us as his believers being idle. So please turn with me to Revelation 3, 15 and 16. Revelation 
the third chapter, starting in the 15th verse and going to 16. Listen to this. And this is Jesus talking. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So <laughs> if you think being lukewarm, if you think being idle, if you think being neutral is pleasant to our Lord, you just heard that with your very own ears, that if you are lukewarm, idle, or neutral, Jesus is going to spit you out of your out of his mouth. And let me say something here. Have you ever taken a drink of lukewarm water? I don't know what it is about it, but it is terrible. It is absolutely terrible. I don't even know what it is about it, but it's it's just awful. And so that's what he feels about his children when we are neutral, when we're lukewarm. So with that being said, it is crystal clear to see what Jesus Christ desires for us to be. The hot that he is referring to in this text means boiling in fervency. We need to be zealous for him, for his word, and his will. So we're going to talk about a couple different aspects of neutrality. And I'll kind of give you the overview of the outline. So first, we're going to look at the dangers of neutrality, both in the physical and the spiritual sense, because the Bible has a lot to say on being physically neutral, or in another sense, being lazy. Then we're going to go to how it happens. And then we're going to go to how to shift out of being spiritually neutral. And then lastly, we're going to talk about how to stay on track. So that's just a quick overview. And I'll tell you what, the best studies, the best sermons have a very large amount of scripture. And I'm here to tell you, we definitely have that today. <laughs> so, and so with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get started. Number one, the dangers of neutrality. Number one, the dangers of neutrality. First, we're going to be looking at the physical aspects of the dangers of neutrality. And before we get started with the scriptures, a little disclaimer for you. I'm going to be blazing through these scriptures pretty quickly. And if you cannot get there in time, because I'm not going to give you a lot of time to get there, please make sure to pause it and then resume it when you get there, okay? All right, so let's look at Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. And it says, I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty 
will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. So let me just give you this quick visual here. Have you ever been walking in your neighborhood or in a neighborhood, for example, and you were looking at the different houses? Isn't it pretty clear to see who keeps their house up versus the one who just doesn't care? I mean, let's think about this for a minute. Grass is grown about as tall as a toddler. Winters are broken down. Roofs caving in. Maybe the fence panels are snapped and broken and just weeds everywhere. Are you getting the picture? And then you go to another house where, I mean, nothing is out of place. Everything is organized. It looks nice and neat. The grass is cut. They even, they even use the trimmer on the sidewalks. I mean, it looks really, really nice. Are you getting an image in your head of what those two are, are like and how different they are? Yeah, me too. Well, again, this is what happens if you are neutral, lukewarm, and I'm going to throw this word out there, lazy in the physical life. Things are going to fall apart. Let's look at Proverbs 19.15. Laziness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle man will suffer hunger. There are too many people today that are not willing to get out of their laziness and get to work. I mean, you look at it right now. There are so many job openings. When I was trying to get into the job market, I'll tell you, it was hard. There was no places open. And you remember my story years ago when I was trying to become a teacher. So many rejection emails, one after another, after another, after another. I mean, obviously I didn't give up because I'm a teacher now, but you know, here's the reality, my friends. Now it's it's so wide open. Now we're desperate to hire people. And COVID has really impacted that significantly. But if you if you're idle, you're gonna suffer hunger. And you know, here's the worst part. If you're a husband or a wife and you're lazy, I mean you're really going to cause not just yourself hunger, but your family as well. And now let's look at Ecclesiastes 10.18. Through indolence, the rafters sag, and through slackness, the house leaks. Just what we talked about with the visual with the house. Now let's look at 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Now here we are in the New Testament. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't get any more clear than that, does it? If you're not willing to work, you're not going to eat. It's it's that simple. And so it's a it's a big, big deal. Let's look at Proverbs 20:13. Do not love sleep, or you will become poor. Open your eyes, and you will be satisfied with food. Don't be lazy. 
Don't be neutral. Don't do those things. Now that we have talked about the physical, I really want to focus now on the spiritual. So pretty much from here on out, we're going to be focusing on the spiritual. But now let's look at the spiritual dangers of neutrality. Matthew 7, 19 says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Our spiritual fruit will not be there. It will not be there. Matter of fact, that spiritual fruit, if we had any, will start to rot. Is that hitting home? It's hitting me. If you are spiritually neutral, your spiritual fruit will rot. Your love will be cold. Your joy will start to fade into worry. Your peace will be dependent on circumstances and not the promises of God. Are you seeing where we're going with this? We're going fruits of the Spirit. Patience. Oh, don't get me started on patience. I already have enough trouble with patience as it is. We'll become impatient. Kindness will be rude. Goodness will start getting bad. Faithfulness will start to flirt with other idols. That's I-D-O-L-S. Gentleness, we won't be gentle. We'll be wrathful. Self-control, forget about it. We'll jump right back into the sins that we were saved from. So that aspect of it is, is terrifying. But we're not done there. Let's look at another aspect. Let's look at Galatians 5, just a few verses back now from Galatians 5.22 Galatians 5, and 23, Galatians 5.7. This is what it says. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? So obedience is hindered. You were running so well. And we're not talking about the physical aspect of things. We're talking about spiritual things now. We're talking about on the path the narrow path that leads to life. You're running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? And nine times out of 10, we're the ones that got in our own way. So obedience is hindered. The armor of God is not equipped. The armor of God is not equipped. You know, another thing that's going to be a very very big problem if we're spiritually neutral is prayer ceases. And what does 1 Thessalonians 5.17 say? Really, really simple. Three words. Pray without ceasing. Or in other versions, it says pray continually. Same thing. Same thing. But prayer starts to cease. It becomes more infrequent. 
It becomes ho-hum. Not from the heart. Oh, God, I need this right now. That's really about it. Or you're at the dinner table. God, thank you for this food and this day. Thank you for all you do for us and your blessings. Be with us and give us peace, love, and happiness. In Jesus' name, pray, amen. Does that sound like people that are neutral? I think so. Half-hearted prayers, quick prayers, not from the heart, not from Scripture. So just to recap, the spiritual dangers of neutrality are that we have no fruit or the spiritual fruit rots. Obedience is hindered. Armor of God is not equipped. Prayer ceases or becomes infrequent. Boy, that's doesn't that sound dangerous? It it should. It should. And now let's look at number two, how it happens. How does this happen? Why does this happen? Well, we're going to look at several scriptures here. Let's look at Hebrews 2.1. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Did you catch that? Did you hear that? Is that sinking in? How does it happen? We don't pay attention to what we've heard. What, what, what is it talking about here? Heard what? The scriptures, the truth of Jesus Christ, that he is the only way of salvation, that he is God and God alone. We forget it. We don't pay attention to it any longer. You ever have your uh, Bible about a foot away from you and you don't read it? It just sits there and collects dust. And then the minute you look at it, you want to look away because you feel guilty because you haven't read it in one week. Two weeks, month, two months, six months. That was me for a while. That was me. I'm not bashing you. <laughs> this is this is a one-way bash fest on myself because I'm guilty of all those things to my shame. But glory to God for his patience. But we don't pay attention to what we've heard. We don't pay attention to the apostles' teachings in the New Testament. We don't adhere to the warnings given in the Old Testament, in the, in the Old Testament saints, in the New Testament saints, who have gone through many and countless trials and tribulations and made huge mistakes that if we were to read them, we could avoid them ourselves. But no, we know better. We're smarter. We're more educated. I got news for you. It has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with it. So it happens because we don't pay attention to what we've heard. Second sub point is that we fix our hope and our eyes on the world rather than Jesus Christ. Now, these two scriptures are going to go back to back here. So I'm going to read them in quick succession here. 1 Timothy 4.10 and Hebrews 12.2 says this. Let's look at 1 Timothy 4.10. For it is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Now Hebrews 12.2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, so sub point number two is that we fix our hope and eyes on the world rather than Jesus Christ. That's what happens. The world is shiny and it's bright and it's glittery and it's all those things. And we want, we want to do those things. We want to be a part of that sometimes. And it's not so much us anymore. It's that sinful nature that we wage war against every single day. So when we start taking our eyes off of Jesus Christ, we start focusing back on the world. And, you know, that sounds a lot like Peter when he stepped off the boat to walk to Jesus Christ on the water. He was doing fine when his eyes were fixed on Christ. And the minute he took his eyes off of Christ and focused on the world, he sank. He sank. And that is what's going to happen to us. If we take our eyes off of Jesus Christ and we fix our eyes on this world, we are going to shift into neutral. We're going to shift into lukewarmness. And once again, if we're lukewarm, if we're neutral, what's going to happen? Jesus is going to spit us out of his mouth. And that's a terrifying thought. Now let's look at sub point number three. We fail to contend for the faith. Jude 3 says, Beloved, while I am making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. So we actually did a book study on Jude, which I was super thrilled to do. And I just love that book so much. But right here, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith. Now, I want you to focus on that word earnestly. The word earnestly means with deep and sincere feeling, seriously. <laughs> seriously. It means seriously. Now, take that a step farther. We seriously contend. We fight. We struggle with conviction, with passion for the faith that was once for all handed down to the saints. And why we end up being neutral? How does that happen? Sub point number three, we fail to contend for that faith. We stop fighting. We stop persevering. We stop progressing in our sanctification through the work of the word by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, st we just stop. So let's look at sub point number four. A worldly concern or a worldly love. So let's look at two scriptures that we're going to go once again back to back because they're going to connect really awesome here. So the first one is Colossians 4.14, and the second is 2 Timothy 4.10. Now, 
We're not going to go into a character study of Demas here, but I want you to listen to the stark contrast between these two verses about Demas. So Colossians 4.14 says this, Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings and also Demas. So right there, Paul is with Luke and Demas, both brothers in Christ. Now let's listen to 2 Timothy 4.10. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. The Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Let's focus on that first part, though. For Demas, having loved the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Boy, have you ever had someone betray you like that? That deserted you in the faith? I think if you've been a believer any length of time, that's true. That's true. And it's sad. It, it really is sad. But what was Demas's downfall? He loved the present world. He was with Paul and Luke. He was with them both. And he deserted them and the brethren and the faith because he loved the world. Really sad. Matthew 13, 22, listen to this. Also talking about worldly love. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So, several years ago, I was blessed to preach, and I did it on Matthew, the 13th chapter, about the parable of the sower, which is one of my, if not my favorite parables that Jesus taught. And this one right here is talking about the seed that, that was sown among the thorns. And this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. Is this world, its passions, its lust, its desires, its cares, is that choking out the word of God in your life? Is it hindering your obedience? Is it causing your fruit to become rotten? Because that's what's going to happen. And you know, I have to take you to a piece of scripture here. And it's one that really hit me hard when I was a kid. And I'm glad it did because it stuck with me. James 4, 4 says this. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Or another translation says, friendship with the world is hatred towards God. So if you love the world, 
You hate God. It's that simple. It's that simple. Remember, we've talked about many, many times before. Idolatry is anything that you put in front of God as of importance or love. So do you love this world or is this world more important than God? If it is, that's a major issue. So just to recap, so how do we become spiritually neutral? How does it happen? Subpoint number one, we don't pay attention to what we've heard. Subpoint number two, we fix our hope and eyes on the world rather than Jesus Christ. Subpoint number three, we fail to contend for the faith. And lastly, subpoint number four, worldly concern or worldly love. So now, how do we shift out of being spiritually neutral? How do we shift out of it? Well, the first thing you need to do is pray. The first thing you need to do is pray. So in Jude 20 through 21, listen to this. And this honestly could be all the sub points here. I broke them up a little bit, but these could all be the sub points, to be honest. I, I, really, I really wrestled with this one. Jude 20 through 21 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. So the first point was we need to pray. We need to pray. The next thing we need to do is to humble ourselves. Please turn with me to James 4.10. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. You have to humble yourself. That's a really hard thing to do. And that does not come naturally. The third thing you need to do is to repent. We need to repent. And specifically of what caused us to digress into neutrality. Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 10.14. 1 Corinthians 10, 14. And before we get there, I want to say thank you guys for your patience and for your consistency and for your love for the Word of God. It's really awesome. So thank you. 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from it. 1 John 5, 21, little children, guard yourselves from idols. Are you seeing the picture of idolatry? That's why I said in this next point here to repent and specifically of what caused it, because that is idolatry. Whatever causes you to become spiritual neutral is idolatry. So, the warning in 1 Corinthians 10, 14, flee from idolatry. And then after you flee from it, 
1 John 5.21, guard yourselves from idols. Boy, how are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to guard ourselves? Well, we say in the scriptures, we let the scriptures dwell within us richly. We pray. We bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We put on the full armor of God. And oh, by the way, remember the armor of God we talked about? Well, there is something in there about a shield. You remember that? Of course you do. Let's look in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So, how are you going to guard yourselves? Jesus Christ is our shield. And the shield of faith, who's that faith in? It's in Jesus Christ. It's right there. So you flee from idolatry. You guard yourselves from idols. And let's look at the last point here on how to shift out of being spiritually neutral is that we need to get back into the Word of God. We need to get back in the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. You want to increase your faith? You want that shield to be bigger? You want that shield to be more stout and powerful and more of a defense? Well, you need to open up the Word of God. You need to hear His words. You can only do that by opening up the Word of God. Next thing you need to do on this getting back to God's word, let's look at a few scriptures. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect. Again, we did a study not that long ago, and we had this specific verse in it. But it says, The law of the Lord is perfect. This is talking about God's word. Restoring the soul. In the word of God comes restoration. Not magical feelings, not fun emotions, none of those things, but God's word. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We need to be sanctified by the word of God. And we become more like God the more we're in the word of God. And the more we obey the word of God, the more we trust and believe in Jesus Christ. And then one of my absolute favorite scriptures, and we just quoted it a little bit ago, but Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That is so vital. The word of God needs to be so richly implanted in you that you speak, think, and act out scripture. The world tells you to meditate, empty your mind. No, biblically speaking, the only type of meditation you're supposed to do is to meditate on the Word of God, what He's done, and His glory. That's it. So, let's go over these four points of how to shift out of being spiritually neutral. First thing we do, need to do is pray. Second thing is to humble ourselves. 
Third thing is to repent of what caused it. And fourth, to get back into God's word. So now, as we start to take this study home, number four, how do we stay on track? How do we stay on track? And before we go there, let's recap of what we have studied so far. Point number one was the dangers of neutrality. We touched a little bit on the physical, but primarily focused on the spiritual. Then we looked at point number two, how it happens. Point number three was how to shift out of being spiritually neutral. And now here we are with the last point, point number four, how to stay on track. How to stay on track. Sub point number one, we must stay away from those who are idle. Please turn with me to 2 Thessalonians 3, 6. It says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you've received from us. Now, the unruly life here means undisciplined. could also be translated as, you guessed it, idle. We command you. Okay, These are the apostles who have the authority because the Holy Spirit is speaking through them. Remember, all scripture is God-breathed. So here, God is commanding us in the name of Jesus Christ. That's pretty powerful that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you have received from us. All the teachings of the apostles through the Holy Spirit, if they don't live that life of obedience, if they're spiritually neutral, you stay away from them. I don't care how good of friends you are with them. I don't care what it is, what circumstance. It says it right here. Keep away from them. Because you know what happens when bad fruit is sitting next to good fruit? Starts to rot it as well. Bad company corrupts good morals, good character. Stay away from that. Stay away from that. Let's look at subpoint number two. We must keep watching and praying. So how do you stay on track? We stay away from those who are idle. And now, subpoint number two, we keep watching and praying. Matthew 26, 41. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Did you catch that last part? The reason why we drift, the reason why we sit in neutral is because that flesh that we wage war against is so weak. So how do we stay on that track? How do we stay away from neutrality? We keep watching and praying. 
so that we may not enter into temptation. And going along with this point, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. Be in constant communication with your Heavenly Father. In Colossians 4.2, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So we must keep, watch, and keep praying. That doesn't mean you do it in eight-hour shifts. This is a 24-hour a day, 365 times a year type of devotion. Of being watchful over our lives, guarding our hearts, watching how we live, being careful how we live. Subpoint number three, we must press on toward the goal of salvation in Jesus Christ. Let's look at Philippians 3:13 through 15. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid a hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. Now, sometimes when we sit in neutral or we're idle, or lukewarm, a lot of times Satan is there to remind us and guilt us into kind of staying there still. And what happens is we don't forget what lies behind. We hang out there. It's constantly a reminder. And that is Satan attacking you. Oh, remember that time you did this? Or remember that? Time of your life, you you stood there and you just sat in idleness. It's going to happen again, Nate. Just a matter of time. I mean, how could God love you after doing all that? You can just hear the web of lies. But Paul says he has not attained it yet. He's not attained that salvation yet. But he does forget what lies behind and he reaches forward to what lies ahead. And that's Jesus Christ, that's salvation in him. He presses on towards the goal. You must press on towards the goal. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We need to press on. So subpoint number three, we press on to that wonderful heavenly goal in Christ Jesus. And sub-point number four, we must be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always. So I'd like you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15.58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So, we must be steadfast. We must be immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I'm going to segue this, the work of the Lord, into one final exhortation. I want you to turn with me to Luke 10, 2. Luke 10, 2 says, And he was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So, we must always be abounding in the work of the Lord because God's work is the only work with a heavenly, eternal return. There is so much to do. And we all have different gifts, talents, and abilities. And the work will not cease until this world is finally done away with. And so, if you are in neutral today, you have a plan. You have steps to get out of that neutrality because the dangers of that neutrality, my friends, are eternal. We must become intimate with God in such a way we know Him and He knows us. We love Him deeper and deeper the farther we go into him. Please stay away from those who are idle. Keep watching and praying. Press on toward that heavenly goal. Be steadfast and movable and abounding in the work of the Lord. And the last piece of scripture I'm going to leave you with today and this is the cherry on top. This is the verse that I wanted to leave with you because, friends, we are going through such a hard time. There's so much darkness in this world. Yet this promise right here is at the latter part of John 8.52. And I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to call it a day. And before I read it, I want to thank you for joining me with my whole heart. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. Please, if you are spiritually neutral, please reach out to the show. Reach out to the show at livingparablestruth at gmail.com. I'll respond right back to you. I'm not here to make money. I'm here for the edification and sanctification of my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and also for my sanctification as well. 
So I'm going to leave you with this last verse, John 8, 52, in the latter part of it. It says, And you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. We must always keep his word. We must always abide in Christ. He is our righteousness. And in him and him alone is salvation truly found. So with that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And remember, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that everything is in Christ with Christ and for Christ. And until next time, God bless you all.